Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. My name is Jason Smith, and I'm the associate pastor here at OKC First Church. I came to you uh, in 2001 as an intern through the ministerial intern program. In 1998, there were two college freshmen who came from different areas of the world, one from Texas and one from Indiana, uh, to Southern Nazarene University. It was Julie Rathburn and Brian Woolery. And Brian entered into that same ministerial intern program, but Julie became a part of this church. So when Julie thinks about church, she thinks about this space. For four years, she worshiped here as a member of OKC First Church through college. Brian entered into that program and had classes from Dr. Steve Green, Dr. Doug Samples, Dr. Ron Wright, and I think Dr. Tashton's here. He also had classes from Dr. Tashton. Brian and I became roommates uh, our, our junior year, and then Brian became the best man in my wedding. And I have had the opportunity over the last... 23 years to watch that song play out in his life of great is thy faithfulness as Brian has given his life to the gospel, to the sharing of the gospel around the world in Guam, in the Philippines, and now in Japan. He and Julie were married. Uh, they came, were attended here during their engagement in the first six months of their wedding and so in their marriage. And so when they think about church, they've given their life to overseas missions since that first year that they became volunteer missionaries for the Church of the Nazarene, and they have not stopped. Uh, since that first year they were married. And when they think about uh, church, um, they think about you. And some of you, um, as they have embraced them this morning, my heart has been glad as, even though it's been 20-some years, uh, I hope that you can sense a way in which we love you, will love you, and have loved you. And I am so thrilled and blessed to introduce them as those who will be bringing the gospel message for us this morning. So would you please welcome... Brian and Julie Woolery for the message this morning. Thank you so much. Um, I forget until I walk into a space how many memories <laughs> are in this place and uh, praying at these altars when I was a college student. Even um, the fact that we've been overseas for 20 years. When I was in college, I went on two different mission trips with the college group from this church. So whether you were here all those years ago or not, you have had an influence in our lives and our story. And this place is incredibly special. And it is such a gift to be able to worship with you again today. Um, as Jason said, is our, yeah, there's our thing. I got to remember what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> We've been uh, missionaries with the Church of the Nazarene in the Asia Pacific region for the last 20 years. Uh, when we first left the U.S., we went to Guam for a few years, and then we moved to the Philippines to attend seminary, and our son, Justin, was born there. And our boys are not with us today, no offense, but they prefer being with their grandparents in Texas. <laughs> 
Um, and so Justin was born in the Philippines, and then God called us to Okinawa, Japan, and that's where our son Noah was born. Today, we're just going to share a little bit about our lives in Japan and what God has been doing the last few years. And we are going to read that scripture again that Jason read. In our church in Japan, we frequently do things in English and Japanese. So we want to give you a little taste of that today. So in Psalm chapter 77, it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Japan is an island nation of 127 million people. It stretches from Hokkaido in the north down to the Ryukyu Islands in the south where we live, which is about the latitude of the Florida Keys. It's a nation filled with mountains, beautiful farming villages, and sprawling cities like Tokyo, Osaka, and Nagoya. While it has been shaped by a mixture of Buddhist and Shinto beliefs, it is largely secular. Our family lives in Okinawa, which is about a three-hour flight from Tokyo, and it's the largest of the Ryukyu Islands. Okinawa is known for a very brutal World War II battle. It and the islands surrounding it just became part of Japan only 140 years ago, and it has a very unique culture that's different than mainland Japan. As I'm sure you would guess, Japan is a very technologically advanced and developed nation. But even though Christianity was introduced in Japan about 400 years ago, only 1% to 2% of the population are Christian, which makes it one of the largest unreached people groups in the world. God sent our family to Okinawa 13 years ago. Uh, Brian Pastors, Keystone Nazarene Church, which is an English-speaking international congregation. And we also get to be a part of the 70 churches that make up the Japan Nazarene District. Um, I'm a teacher at a place called Okinawa Christian School International, which is a school that ministers to a largely non-Christian uh, student population. We have a very unique assignment, uh, pastoring Okinawans, Japanese, Americans, and many other nationalities. 
Since World War II, Okinawa has been home to the majority of the U.S. military presence in Japan with tens of thousands of U.S. military dependents and support personnel. At our church, we have a mission statement that's making Christ-like disciples in Okinawa, and I'm going to teach you guys how to say that in Japanese, okay? <laughs> so it's really, it's really easy. I'm sure you'll remember it. Just repeat after me, okay? Say, Okinawa Day. Good job. Kristo ni narau deshio. That's good. That was the hardest part. Tsukuru. Good job. You are now Japanese speakers. <laughs> you know, uh, building relationships in Japan is something that takes a really long time. Learning the language is very difficult and also something that takes a really long time. <laughs> and like the rest of the world, the last few years have been very difficult for us. The military, churches, uh, the military families in our church only live in Okinawa for two or three years. And it's also typical in our international communities um, to have lots of frequent moving around. So this can make church ministry very challenging when the people in your church are always changing. But God continues to show us that every person has a story. And we meet people at different points in their journey with Jesus. Sometimes we only have a relationship with them for a few months. Sometimes it's a few years. But he continues to show us that we're called to join whatever he is doing in their lives and around them. So we're going to tell you three stories that just exemplify some examples of what God does and how he invites our family and invites people like you into very normal situations. And this is a story about Ben, Hironobu, and Takashi. Ben was a young Marine who had been attending our church. Um, he was out at a local restaurant doing what we do at local restaurants, just finding good food. And he struck up a conversation with the young Japanese man who was a chef there. Uh, this man, his name's Hironobu, he had enough English, and they started talking with one another. And Ben just began to talk about life and the things that were important to him. And Jesus is a thing that's deeply important to Ben. And he had the courage to just simply talk about what Jesus was doing. And the eyes of the chef got really big, and Hironobu said, Are you, I've started to learn about this Jesus. And, and in Japan, that's unheard of with the statistics. And he said, I've started to learn about this Jesus, and I want to get baptized. And Ben said, okay, come to my church. And so over after chicken and waffles, <laughs> Hironobu was invited, and he showed up one Sunday at our church, and I got to meet him with my friend Takashi on the left. And Takashi and I were like, okay, tell us your story. Like, where are you from? How did you get here? And Hironobu was uh, a chef, and he moved to New Zealand with his girlfriend, and he wanted to work on English, and he wanted to uh, increase his craft and improve in his craft. And then the COVID happened, and the world locked down. And in that lockdown, it brought so many things up in all of our souls, but in 
Hironobu's soul, these deep questions about life and purpose and meaning began to happen. And so he went to where you always go when you have a question. He went to YouTube. <laughs> and he began searching videos. And in that wonderland or wasteland, God in his amazing grace led him to videos about Jesus. And Hironobu was captivated. And so he found a Japanese Bible and he just started reading and reading and reading. Uh, once COVID lockdown ended, they got out uh, back to their home country, he and his now wife. And they moved down to Okinawa where he found a job in a small restaurant. And he was really, he was like the Ethiopian eunuch who God had found and was doing something. But he was like, I need someone to help me. And so... At that time, God led him to our church. A year ago, last Easter, Hironobu was baptized. And he began this journey. Hironobu, though, he can't attend Sunday morning services because as a cook in a restaurant, that is like the prep time for one of his busiest days of the week. And so suddenly, the normal way that you would say, hey, come and become a part of a community and begin to grow, he couldn't adjust to us at this place and time in his life, so we had to be willing to adjust to him. And so my friend Takashi said, I'll do it. Here I am. And so Takashi began to set aside time every week to meet with Hironobu and to begin to walk through the stories of Scripture and who Jesus is and begin to grow and work together. You know, last April was the one-year anniversary from Hironobu's baptism. And you kind of think, wow, great story. It's done. He's baptized. That's just the beginning. Because when Jesus says, follow me, take up your cross and follow me, and people, that's hard. And there's a lot of us that says, Jesus, I want to follow you, but don't change me. And Jesus said, to follow me is to change. And so Hironobu has been walking in this journey, and we had a one-year baptism party together. And you know what we ate? Sushi. <laughs> and we went to this restaurant, and we're sitting and talking and enjoying the food, and Hironobu began to reflect, and he said, man, I'm thinking about how God wants me to share the gospel with others. And the only way I know how is maybe I can give people a Bible. But good Japanese Bibles are pretty expensive, and he's like, I don't have much money, but I do have a subscription to a business magazine, and I think I can give that up. And if I give that up, I can have some money, and I'm going to buy a Bible, and the first one is for my mom. And she lives in Osaka, and she doesn't know about Jesus. God is working and he uses his people to join what he is doing. He used a guy named Ben who was simply willing to be open at something we would not expect anything to happen, at just going to a restaurant. He used Takashi, my friend, who said, here I am. I will readjust my schedule for months and for years to be a part of what God's doing in the life of someone else. And now he is inviting Hironobu into this grand adventure with Jesus to be at a part of something that lasts forever. 
About six years ago, I started working as the literacy support teacher at Okinawa Christian School International, which is the school that our boys have attended since they were four years old, and they're in middle and high school now. Um, I had been involved at the school previously as a board member and a parent volunteer, but God opened the door for me to start teaching English again, which I had started doing when we lived in the Philippines. And I just get to work with uh, small groups of elementary and middle school students who need extra support in their English study. Our school is very unique in that it's a Christian school, but most of our students and families are non-believers. They come from Japanese homes, but we have many Americans, Koreans, Chinese, basically name a country from around the world, and we might have had a student from there. Um, all of our staff and faculty are believers, and so most students only come because it's an English education. They don't come because it's a Christian school, but they have Bible class every day and chapel. Uh, the fact is that most Japanese people have never heard the name Jesus and don't have even one Christian friend. Christian education in Japan is a very important way to introduce children and their families to Jesus and for them to have Christians in their lives who care about them and pray for them regularly. When a Japanese person is interested in God or going to church or studying the Bible, many times they will do that for years before they make a decision to follow Jesus. Becoming a Christian in Japan is seen as turning your back on your nation and your culture. And many people meet great resistance from their families if they do take the step to get baptized. Uh, some of our students do make a decision to follow Jesus, but they can't be involved in a church because their parents aren't interested or won't take them. So the discipleship that happens at our school is incredibly important as students learn about Jesus and grow in their relationship with him. One of my current elementary students came to our school about three years ago, and as far as I know, his family is not Christian and has never attended church. He also came with very little English, but as his English started to grow, he started to learn about Jesus and the Bible, and he became fascinated by these stories from the Bible. And every year at the beginning of the year, I have my students draw a picture of their favorite book. They can pick any book. And after he had been at our school for only one year, he drew a picture of the Bible. And I showed it to his first grade teacher, and I said, look at this. <laughs> this is the influence you've had in his life, that even though he can still barely understand the words, the Bible is his favorite book. And as his English grew, we were writing a creative story one day, and he wrote an amazing adventure story about aliens who were rescued by Jesus. <laughs> and at first, when I saw it, I laughed, and then I started thinking about it, and I realized he is learning <laughs> so much, but he is learning that when you are in trouble, Jesus is with you, and Jesus is more powerful than anything. His parents may never take him to church, but he already has a love for the Bible and a love for learning about God. 
Uh, many of our students won't make a decision to follow Jesus while they're at school, but God is planting seeds in their hearts through what they are learning and so much through the loving community that they are experiencing. And of course, we ask you to join us in prayer that God will continue to speak to their hearts as they learn. Third story is a story about a man named Higa. Uh, when we came to Okinawa 13 years ago, I began to notice this man, and I'll call him Higa. And he would walk up and down the roads in the neighborhood by the church all day, every day. And we didn't know anything about him. I didn't know if he was homeless. Clearly, there, there was something not normal or right that was going on in his life but then he began to come to the church, and at that time we had some opportunities where uh, homeless people could come and we could give meal bags, so he began to ask for food. And he would come asking for food, but we got the sense, I don't know if he really needs this. And then my church secretary at the time, her name's Mutsuki, she said, you know, I think he comes here not because he needs the food, but he likes to just talk to people. However, Higa was really challenging because he could be really, uh, he could be impolite and pushy. And the other thing is Higa never scheduled an appointment to come to the church and ask for things before he came. And I learned something about myself is that I get really focused on my work. And when somebody interrupts that in my normal rhythms, it is really challenging for me to disconnect from the thing and then begin to see the person that is just standing right in front of me. Another challenge was that uh, Higa only speaks Japanese, and he has a very strong accent. And as hard as I'm working on my Japanese, I struggle to understand him, and I struggle to communicate in a way that he understood. And so then we both got frustrated. And if you ever want to see a beautiful, effective story of missions of a frustrated pastor <laughs> and an angry man <laughs> standing in the foyer of the church... For years, I was just wondering, you know, God, is this, what's the point? What's happening? And years later, I began to notice, actually, I did, God began to show me Higa's attitude was different than it was before. He wasn't as confrontational. And Higa needed people. He loved being around people. I will forever remember when we had our, this is a very unique Japanese tradition called trunk or treat. And we had the trunk or treat at our church parking lot, and Higa walked by, and he saw people, and he just walked up. And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. And he was walking around like in wonder at all these kids in costumes, and then he saw there were hot dogs, and he got really excited. Later that year, we invited Tim to our Christmas. On Christmas Eve, our church always has a big dinner in our sanctuary. It's a party and then a service. And so we told Higa about this, and he asked me every week if we're going to have the Christmas kai. Brian Tosan, Christmas kai aru? Yes, yes, Higa-san, in three months. And he came, and he ate, and he sat but then it was the first time that I saw this just straight-faced and at many times angry young man, I saw him smile. And when he smiled, God began to show me what I had been too hard-hearted and perhaps just 
incapable of seeing before, he says, that's the person I created. That's the person I love. And that's the one that I want to redeem and help. The thing about it, though, is that God had to work on me. He had to change me to be a part of that. During this time, uh, Higa then began to come to Sunday morning church. And that really scared me. (laughs) He would show up soon as the doors were open. And I wasn't quite ready to begin accepting people at that time. But he would sit and I knew, God, I can only do this much. He really needs a Christian, male, Japanese man in his life. And in Japan, that's a hard hard thing. And then God brought Takashi to our church. Takashi was, uh, when he was a young man, he lived up in the northern island of Hokkaido, and through a friend, he heard about Jesus. He became a Christian, but during college and then a successful career as an IT professional, he fell into destructive and addictive relationships, and he began uh, becoming addicted to substances and became a drug addict. And that landed him in jail. It ruined his relationships. It ruined his life. um, And he was locked away. After a few years, he was released from prison. And he made his way to Okinawa to try to restart life. And he walked past our church and then walked in one day. Takashi began to find a home in our church And he's now a weekly uh, participant in our men's discipleship group. He helps translate our Sunday worship into Japanese. And Takashi noticed Higa. And it's not easy for Takashi to be friends. In fact, in many ways in Japanese society, you, you fit within very certain categories. And Higa doesn't fit in any of those categories. So it's easier for me to be a friend than for Takashi. But Takashi knew that Jesus was inviting him to be a part of this man's life. At this time, Takashi didn't have much money. He's living on government welfare. He's uh, in a halfway house trying to uh, stay clean. But after church, he started inviting Higa to lunch. And Higa loved food. Takashi now sits with Higa in our Sunday school class, even though Higa can't understand what's going on. He translates the service for him, and then he calls him, I've just found out, and just checks in on him in the week. Hey, how are you doing? As Takashi has been obedient to Jesus, God has been providing for him as well. He has been off drugs for four years now. He recently moved out of the halfway house and was able to secure an apartment, which is a big thing in Japan. And then God provided him a job in the same IT career field, which having been released from prison, most Japanese companies would never touch him ever again. This Easter, Takashi and I invited Higa to our Easter picnic uh, after our Easter Sunday worship, and we told him there'd be food, so he was there. (laughs) And so we took a group photo of, of everyone at the end of that picnic, and Higa came up to me, he's like, I want a picture, I want a copy of that picture. And I tried in a, you know, kind pastoral way, Higa-san, I'm sorry, this is for Facebook, we're not printing it. I want a picture! And God said, give the man a picture. And so I printed the picture off for him. 
And when I gave it to him, a few days later, he came by the church. He took that thing as though it were the most precious thing that he had ever touched. And then God taught this really unremarkable person, myself, another thing. This is probably the only picture that he has with other people that he would call his friend. And I felt like I've kicked and fought against God about every step of the way in this 13-year relationship. And then God gave me an image, just a small picture. Brian, if you are willing to lay down what you think you know and lay down what you think you want and be interrupted and allow yourself to be inconvenienced, if your church can become a place where people might be a slightly uncomfortable because another person is there, then you let me work. And when I do something, it is beautiful. You know, Jesus finds us in our loneliness. He finds us in our addictions. He finds us in our rudeness. And Jesus has put up with me. He has put up with us in his love. And his love is what has changed us. We learn to smile because he is good. And then he invites us, just as he invited Hironobu, to become a place of refuge and safety and welcome to the God who can save and help them. Jesus, he wasn't being just poetic when he said, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. He is coming. His kingdom is coming. And how it comes is when people like you and me that he has called are simply willing to follow him and to adjust our lives to what he is doing with the person right in front of us. But many times we just go to church and we get comfortable and church becomes a place where we just stay safe and comfortable with the people that are very similar to us. God's kingdom is like a seed planted in soil. And here's the thing about seeds is for the longest time, it may seem like nothing has happened. And you wonder, I did all this work and where is it, God? What, 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 what's the outcome? And you know, sometimes we may not ever get to see it. But in the times that God shows us that we do, he also affirms us that everything that you've done for me, none of it is wasted. One plants and one waters, but God makes things grow. We ask for you to join us in praying uh, for the nation of Japan that the seeds planted by Christians over hundreds of years um, would find good soil and that God would stir the hearts of the Japanese people to want to know more about Jesus. Pray for our Japanese pastors and their families and their churches. Um, it is not a common job to be a pastor in Japan. <laughs> they have a very hard time and they need our prayers. Um, pray for our church, for Keystone, as e people are constantly changing and coming and going, but that God would continue to teach our church family what it means to love anyone who walks through our doors. Pray for our friend Takashi-san as he continues to make choices to follow Jesus. And for the students at our school, that the things they are learning and the love they're experiencing would also give them a desire to know Jesus more. 
I'm sure sometimes you have special offerings for missions at Easter or Thanksgiving or other times, and we want you to know that when you give to missions, you are part of the stories that we shared today. There's so many more we could share, but you have a part in those. And thank you for your generosity and your consistency in giving. You know, I mentioned that when I was a college student here, I went on two different mission trips with the college group, and I remember praying at these altars, and we never know when God is going to call us to something new in life. It may be our next door neighbor, or it might be something crazy, like moving halfway around the world. But when God calls, when he invites, will you say yes? Will you say, here I am, Lord, send me? He uses so many creative ways and for some reason, he uses us <laughs> to spread his love and join him in his work. And of course, there's websites and information, but we also are always open um, to talk with you if that's something you're interested in. We have some prayer cards um, that are going to be passed out with ways to keep in touch, and we would love to keep in touch with you. We just want to say thank you again for your invitation to be here with us today, um, one of our home churches in America. Thank you for your obedience to Jesus, for being a part of the movement of God's kingdom through his people. So the last thing, this is not just a message about what God is doing far away in another place. This is a message about what is God is doing and, and what ties it together. It is the person and you see people every single day. And God has wired into every one of us the desire that our lives would be a part of something that matters, a part of something that is beautiful and that is lasting, a part of him. And he invites us to do that as we simply are willing to say yes. And so I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. And when I do, I will consider your works. And I'm not just going to rush on to the next thing. I'm going to meditate on all your mighty deeds. And as I do, I discover wonder. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? Because you are the God who performs miracles. And you display your power to the people. Thank you, OKC First, for generously sharing your time, and may the Lord bless you. We gladly claim the Woolleries uh, as missionaries sent from this place. Um, for better or for worse, you're stuck with us, all right? So. And we, uh, they are on a home assignment. They're going to be traveling around raising money, and we will, in a moment, take a special offering for them. Uh, we are also going to have a special time of prayer for them, but also for the Curry family as well. Uh, but before that, we're going to get uh, around the table again, because we believe that it's here around the table that we recognize that over a period of time, as we eat this bread, we say this around here, right? I want you to eat so much of this communion bread that you think that you're starting to become the bread that is taken, blessed, broken, and given, perhaps given to your neighbor, 
perhaps given to somebody on the other side of the world. We believe that the oxygen around here, the wind, the breath, the spirit that's operated around here for a long time calls people into ministry and it may mean that you travel around the world and it may mean just down the street. That's what this bread is meant to do and to be. So if you were helping us today, would you go ahead and come down front to set this table? And Father, as they come, we would ask that you would again bless these elements. Pieces of bread and sips of this cup, but somehow, God, in your hands it becomes something more. It is a reminder of our origin story that starts with you and your heart for people your heart for us, your heart for the person near to us. Remind us, God, that as we are called into this ministry of grace, that it all starts because we have been recipients of this grace, and in gratitude, we make ourselves available to the people around us. All are invited, but none are compelled. If you are willing to take part today, we have room at this table for you. If you would rather sit this one out, that is perfectly fine as well. It is up to you. Do I qualify, you might ask? Do I qualify to come around this table? Well, here's the thing. If you know that you need this grace, then you are qualified. Well, you don't know what I did this morning. Well, it sounds like you need some grace, and this is a great place to find it. If you know you need this grace, you are welcome at this table. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pew to your left, and to come forward with your hands cupped hands cupped because it is grace that we receive. You can't buy this grace, you can't steal it, you can't swipe it, you can't buy it, you can't charge it, you can only receive it as a gift. As you approach someone holding a plate of bread, that person will place a piece of bread in your hand and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Don't eat it just yet, but take that piece of bread and dip it into the cup. When you do, that person holding the cup will say, and this is the blood of Christ, shed for you, and then take and eat, and then you've got a decision to make, because we would like for you to pray. The decision is where you will then pray. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we have people who are ready to come and anoint you with oil for healing, and you may come with all kinds of wounds. It might be physical, mental, emotional, relational. Whatever wound you come to these altars with, we think that this oil will help, not because it's an elixir of any kind, but because it is a reminder of the sticky companionship of the God who heals. If you come to some of these mourners' benches up here, these, these traditional altars, we won't assume anything, but at some point, somebody, probably me, will come by and just touch you on the back, the neck, the head, the shoulder, just to let you know that you are not alone as you pray. I do want to make sure that we have room for the Curry family. Let's have you guys come here, if that's okay. And then Brian and Julie, why don't you come over here? And after I pray a brief prayer of confession, my favorite general superintendent who happens to be here today is going to pray a prayer of commissioning for each of you, each family, before handing it over to Jason. You could also, if you would like, you could make a special trip to this bowl of water. Right now it's still. Maybe, though, it won't be when you come by and dip your fingers in and, and then at that point remember that you are amongst the baptized, the called people of God, called around the world or called down the street. If you need to be reminded that you are both called, chosen, initiated, and resourced to be the people of God, this is a pretty good place to do it. So on the night that he was betrayed, our Savior took bread, he blessed it, 
He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including today, remember me. The same way later he would take the cup and hold it up before them saying, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, including today, remember, remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pew to your left, and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant to nourish and encourage and resource the people of God.